0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Grumpy Surfer Podcast. I am the Grumpy Surfer and your host, Ads Lyson. Before we get into anything, as always, a little bit of housekeeping. So to get some Grumpy Surfer Podcast t-shirts and hoodies, go to grumpysurfer.tml.com to get yourself some cool merchandise. Also to get 10% off your Umby Surf 12-week program, go to Ombi.co forward slash ref forward slash grumpy surfer. And there you can go and get yourself your 12 week program from the guys at Ombi. Still using the program. I'm on week four now and it has improved my surfing immensely. I cannot recommend this enough. It's brilliant. And I think they're just coming off some discounts at the moment as well. So go and have a look at that. It's brilliant stuff. And also 15% off your Northcore outdoor and surfing gear. Go to Northcore on the internet and at the checkout, use the code, capital letters, TGS, Pod 15 And finally, to get 20% off your bra surf merchandise, some guys up in Scotland, use the code, capital letters, Grumpy Surfer at the checkout. This fortnight's podcast is my first triple whammy podcast incorporating surfing, grappling and the military. My guest is a former sponsored surfer, a Royal Marines Commando veteran, which I've had the amazing fortune of taking through recruit training and has now recently just opened his amazing jiu-jitsu gym in North Devon in the United Kingdom called Yama Jiu-Jitsu. So please enjoy my conversation with a fantastic guy and my friend, Ben Ruth. Ben Ruth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, mate. Three questions. I'll have to tie this into jujitsu. So the first one's how are you? The second one is where are we? And the third one is I'm going to use Have you trained today? So I'm good, thank you. First, uh, first question, and then we are in um,
1: Yama jitsu So in Chivna um near Braunton in North Devon so I sat in inside the gym that I started um probably around April time of this year um and have I trained yeah I trained one of our students came in this morning um for a private session so I have
0: trained with him this morning it's so beautiful start to the day well you are my first try niche podcast people i.e you've served in the military you train jiu jitsu, and you're also a sponsored surfer. Before you were in the military, I think it's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah, when you say it like that, but no, yeah, I have done a few different things. So you're one of those guys that um, you were in the military, and you decided to leave, and you passionate about jiu jitsu, probably more so about surfing at that time. And you and you set up your own business, uh, your own academy. Um, which is really cool and what I what I love about this is and we'll go on to our history in a little bit as well is that you've decided that you've gonna chase something that you were passionate about so it could have been quite easy for you to leave the military and gone do you know what I'm gonna go and be a labourer or I'm gonna be I don't know work on the circuit the close protection circuit but instead you're just chosen and followed what you wanted to do and open open somewhere like this. I'll put a few pictures up on on, uh, on socials as well of um of Yama. It's a really impressive place and to open something like this is um from my point of view knowing you uh is is really impressive and I'm gonna say I'm proud of you man. Thank you. Yeah um yeah right so
1: how do I would that say so first of all I didn't choose to leave just to like make that clear I um got medically discharged for having um like basically not up to standard hearing so as you would know you have annual hearing tests and mine got um like significantly worse um throughout the time I served so um it got to the point where the hearing was so bad in one ear um in my left ear that basically it was deemed kind of too dangerous to risk like damaging my right ear um and I knew about that like as it was getting significantly worse I always the odologists like the civilian odologists they were like oh you're probably not gonna be on the trajectory it's on like you're probably not gonna be able to serve necessarily a full career um so I kind of always had that in the back of my head that whilst I was happy like serving and like having a career it was almost like you, you sort of half knew like oh well what would I do if if like each year i you know i don't pass the hearing test or it drops to that like next kind of level um and it did come to leaving like what would i do um yeah and it's interesting like you're saying yeah not doing like close protection or not doing a trade because i am i've i had like all of those dilemmas so i had my um medical board in november um of 2020 so basically once you once they decide you're like gonna be leaving you've got like three months basically of like clocks ticking do your retraining and then that's it like that's your last day um but because it was the middle of the pandemic i was kind of like oh like like what what can i do you know like obviously there are there's there's certain courses available um i'll touch on that again so that i don't think the courses that are really available are particularly like good um well, but tell me even, about it I'm like, I'm going yeah, that now. yeah yeah so yeah like literally it's like i think i think it comes from like um a lot of i a lot of people i think join the marines maybe because and we'll touch on like why i did but you're at that bit of a fork in the road and you're like oh right what am i going to do with my life i'm maybe not happy with what i'm doing right now like i don't know you want to challenge you want to travel you want to do something different so you, you set your your heart on joining the marines and then you pass and and you you, you have your career but then when it comes to leaving you're you're no, not necessarily any different like in your mindset um than when you joined in terms of like, oh, well, now I'm not going to do that. So what do I want to do? And it's like, well, I didn't know what I wanted to do 10 years ago. So now I'm leaving. I still don't know what I want to do. But the, the only constant or the things that helped me decide was basically like um Kathleen, like my wife was always like, if I didn't get to jujitsu like that evening and because work had gone on and it wasn't like, I was like, oh, but we could have done that earlier. Or we could have done it tomorrow. And I was always just like, oh my God, how am I going to get to jujitsu? And then when I was looking at, different careers um i was kind of like oh well if i do a trade like um you know whilst i'm an apprentice if i'm doing that for like three years it's going to be you know pretty like labor intensive and then like, will i be real knackered for training or like if i do something else like yeah basically will i be able to finish that job in time to train um and then it kind of got to the point that every job i was looking at whether it was like like i looked at everything like like tree surgeons and different trades it was always like well will I be at will the boss and I was messaging people that did those jobs it's like oh mate what time do you finish work like does your boss like we, we like, will I like finish at four so I could train at five or something and they were like oh well kind of just finishes where it finishes and I was like oh like I shouldn't be basing my life around like uh the retraining being around like what time can I finish to do jiu-jitsu um and at that point in my life like jiu-jitsu was um like was my biggest passion um so I was kind of like where Kathleen basically said, why don't you try rather than like trying to finish work to do jujitsu? Like, why don't you start jujitsu and, and have that passion where I can literally, I, I'm happy to train six, seven days a week. Like I, I love it. Like doing it every day. So I was like, why don't you give that a go and then do kind of whatever jobs, um, kind of make ends meet in the meantime. And then obviously if it doesn't, you know, as a business, if it doesn't succeed, then obviously like, then you can look at the retraining. But it was like, if I started re- retraining, like got two years into a carpentry apprenticeship or something, then it would be like, ah, oh, too hard to go back. So it was actually like when I had kind of a sort of clean slate from leaving the Marines, it was like, now is the time to do it. Um, but it is funny, like you're saying like, oh, what what are you going to do when you leave? Because um I, like officers aren't necessarily having this conversation like i've got a degree um but you go to the career center and they're like oh so you're leaving the marines well you could be a uh laborer you could be a plumber or a carpenter or an electrician and when you join the marines you sit down and the first thing they tell you in like foundation is like oh lads, like no one's ever gonna you're never gonna want for a job again like everyone's gonna be so happy to employ an ex-marine someone that's like Past the toughest like training in the world, and you're like, Oh, yeah, wow, well, I've really like set my life up here. And, and of course, I'm not saying like I, I regret it, but when it comes to leave, there's so much like negativity through like the higher ranks because they haven't left or like they haven't got to that period in their life yet. They're like, Oh, oh you don't want to leave. There's nothing out there now. Um, I even had when I was getting medically discharged, like the, the, um, like the officer in charge that's doing was like oh you know if you decide to rejoin because there's not much out there when you leave like if you decide to rejoin we'll be happy to have you and i was like oh thanks sir. So. Like, i can't actually rejoin because i'm being medically discharged and he's like oh okay yeah yeah good luck and it's like it's kind of almost the polar opposite of of what what you're kind of like not led to believe but like i think there are options out there but it's just through like um it's very similar to leaving school i think like you're like you just ask all your different mates like what course are you doing or what are you going to do and then you ask you like someone that you knew in the year above and like, oh mate what's your course like or what are you doing now and um I think it's it's good to have that I think like just just I definitely reached out to a few friends that had left a year or two before and said like oh what are you doing And what do you think of that and but yeah basically it was all about like <coughs> will I finish in time to get to jiu-jitsu and it turned out that most most jobs I wouldn't be able to train six days a week and then obviously throw in like I don't um We've got a dog, Mabel, but haven't got a family yet. So in terms of, like, um, throwing, like, parental commitments, if I was finishing a job at, like, five or six and then being like, oh, now I've got to go to jiu-jitsu, it's going to be, like, harder to find that time than actually, like,
0: just doing jiu-jitsu kind of as a job, (laughs) you knew you were going to be leaving through medically being medically discharged it was on the cards maybe for a couple of years because i remember having yeah, yeah. numerous conversations with you prior to this when you got to the point and you must have been sort of like in the same situation where uh, where uh, i am now i mean i've done i'm coming to the end of my career but you did what um five six uh, years? nine nine, nine years oh, yeah. that's really weird because yeah. it, we'll come on to this but i you know we, i took you through training yeah, yeah. it's like it's crazy that mm. that time just like mm. <laughs> spins away from you you must be even in that time of nine years that those plays in your head are there I mean I've I've started my own business now a couple of months ago which people that listen to this know that but it must have been the same for you knowing that you were going to start this finding the money and the funding and you, you rent and decking the place out and then and then that's just the start of it and then on top of all of that you're like oh I need actual people to to sign up to this. I need students to come, and 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 for me to coach and for them to for them to pay me to do this. That must have been quite a thing to play on in your mind, knowing full whether you know you had a wife and, and other commitments around that. It must have been quite difficult to play with.
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's like there's two sides to it. Like I I, I kind of don't even. I don't like see it as a business. Like anyone tell you I'm probably the world's worst like businessman. I, I just based it around like if I'm gonna do this, if I'm gonna have a jiu-jitsu gym and we're gonna do it, like how how do I want it to be? Well like what do I wanna create? Um so it was kinda like obviously like, yeah, where where's the space? Like where's a where's a good like location to have it? Um and then it just got to the point of like, well, if you're gonna do it like just do it properly it was like let's 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 get like proper mats and like let's make it look nice and and i think like making the effort to make the gym like look look as nice as it does just just like sets the precedent precedent for people to like um the way people would beha- behave in the culture you know you, you people think well if they've if they've made this effort in terms of like creating a nice like welcoming like friendly like good kind of training and learning environment then like hopefully they know it you thinking and like caring about, about other aspects but yeah it's hugely stressful especially like um my my discharge date was March um March 18th 2021 and obviously like gyms weren't weren't literally weren't legally allowed to be open so obviously I didn't have a tool that kind of like barrier of like still being paid while it was going to happen um and it was about the stupidest thing like you could really do is be like right I'm I, I literally it's it's like illegal like when you think about leaving the range and joining a sport um sorry opening a gym you you didn't think like oh the the thing you want to do will literally be like illegal um so I was like that obviously added added a bit on um and I kind of kept thinking like oh uh, you know now you know next month or next month or next month like things will, will get back to normal and they'll open and it kept getting postponed and obviously we were paying rent at that point and um, because the unit came up and it felt like it was the right space and you're like, oh, let's go for it. And be like, oh, there's no way that by the time I leave in March, like that you still won't be able to train even in small groups. Um, and, and obviously yeah, that that overlap kind of happened. So we were paying rent and the gym like couldn't physically be open. And then like, obviously as things, uh, started to progress and open up sort of through April, May, June, and then fully like, um, like by mid July we, we were open. Um, so like yeah it was definitely a stressful time and then in terms of thinking like getting numbers in and stuff but i never like thought like oh this this many people equals like this much to like to pay the bills it was almost <laughs> like right if we create this this environment that that people want to come to then then eventually like it will it will succeed or fail but it, it won't be kind of like um about but kind of yeah about crunching the numbers um and that was a big thing with, with starting here. Like obviously I, I would get onto like where I started jujitsu and, and why and stuff, but there wasn't in this area, like a, a jitsu gym that I wanted to, to train at or, um, in particular. So I was just like, right, let's, yeah, like, let's, let's create that space. Um, and it's just kind of gone from strength to strength really each month as, a as people come but yeah you definitely think like oh, first month everyone will come through the door and actually it's like it's such a slow trickle like each month like a friend or recommend a friend and like slowly build your members but in the six months we've been properly open it's like it's crazy how how good everyone's got and how how many like good members we've we
0: got so But well, i think that also pays dividends to to the way that you are as well you know your your commitment to your commitment to just training people and from from my perspective, and, and don't take this the wrong way, from where you were at the very start as an instructor, bearing in mind, I've been an instructor for, yeah. for this is gonna sound really bad, it may me sound really big headed, doesn't matter, I'm carrying on with it anyway. Um, where I've been an instructor for a long time, where you were when you started to where you are now is like, is a massive difference. And you must've felt that a little bit as well because the the, the the technical aspects now, I mean, I sit in some of these classes and uh, in your classes and I'm like that detail is amazing and it's the uh, and what I thought I find and I've talked about this before is that I find it I've been to jujitsu gyms where they go this is the technique and this is how you do it go and practice it where you do something where my coach in Plymouth Kenny he does really well too and he breaks everything down into really easy bite-sized bits where even the most technical things, whether it's, I don't know, let, let's say I'm using the example of like a Baron Bowler roll or something like that, you break down really well and from the very basic white belt level to the higher level, everyone understands what you're talking about and whereas like you don't hear the whispers in the background, which sometimes you do like, what's he? what how did you do that again? Like, because you do hear that sometimes, right? You must have been training. Like, yeah, 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 how did you do that? There's no one does that. Everyone just kind of does it and... <laughs> And, that, and I think that speaks the, the level that you teach at. But what else is really cool is that you've built a really nice community here as well. I mean, I train here uh, once a week um, if I if I can get in. Uh, bear in mind, I'm only like three miles down the road where my gym is. Um, and every single time I come in here, everyone's super friendly. No one's trying to smash or kill each other. And I think that just sets the precedent for something, what you've set up and the way that you are, um, which is which is really cool as well. And if that continues on, you're just going to, you know, it's just going to grow extensively. And like you say, there isn't really anywhere in the North Devon area that, um, that has a facility like this um, that is solely like your jiu-jitsu. But it's nice, it's clean, it's got white mats everywhere. Um, it's just, It's just a really nice place to train.
1: Yeah I think that was um yeah I think that's partly like because our goals um were so clear like my favorite gym in the world is Unity Jiu Jitsu in New York um and in the UK um we're, we're affiliated we're well, like really pleased to be affiliated with CF24 um under Bryn Jenkins who's my coach in Cardiff and the the massive things about those gyms like um are that in the same room and that that was the biggest thing i wanted to hear i want to have someone that comes to me and says oh, i want to win europeans or worlds and i want you to be able to come to the same session um or train you know 6 days a week with me and then also in the same room someone that's like oh i literally just want to build some confidence or like i just want to be part of a community or i just want to like um just be just be involved in something or i just want to like pass someone's guard or like i just want to feel comfortable with when i'm out of breath or with someone lying on top of me and the only way that can happen is by like really clearly talking about it like saying like everyone's helping each other working together to achieve their individual goals and that like that was what was so important to me so i the way i can do it in a busy room is obviously if we are teaching like um a guard pass or something i, I try and be as conceptual as I can because I'm a really like whenever I've trained with people and we've started at a similar time or someone's been uh, a similar level to me I feel like they've always got better than me quicker I, I'm not like by any means uh, like have any or feel like I have any sort of natural ability or understanding but I think what that does do is when I do get something it helps me like really understand it which which obviously helps me explain it and it helps me like never get frustrated like some of the people I just don't get it and they can tell me three four five times and they know that I'll never be like come on now like just listen because I'm like that's a failure in me if they don't get it I've still failed them in some way of not explaining clearly why we're doing something and there is a lot in jiu-jitsu of like you're expected to know that um I don't know we need to like pin their back to the mat to do this or we need to like clear their legs to get our points whatever but you can't assume that people know that so the way i think we do it when there's when it's a busy class is i can stroll over to the more advanced guys and go oh look actually there's like i don't know a barren entry from here or like actually look you can take this grip or like if you pull this sleeve it'll stop them inverting or something and then you can say to the others like okay so they're going to try and hold on to your foot so you just want to like get their back to the mat and pin the hip this way and turn the head that way and create a twist in the spine or something for like a guard pass so even if they forget, like, oh, what hand do we put where? If they remember, like, I'll oh, create a twist in the spine or get their back to the mat. Like, I think they'll they'll progress a bit quicker. Um, but I was, it was interesting. I I just wanted to say, like, when you said, oh, about how my teaching's improved, like, it is. Um, it's a funny thing in terms of like you you get massive imposter syndrome. Like, I wasn't ever like, oh, I am good at jujitsu or like. Oh, I'm, so I'm going to start a gym or that's what I should do like you you're constantly like you're terrified you know you think people no one's going to come or people are going to be like oh what's he doing or why is he teaching jiu-jitsu but I just have to come back to the fact that like I love doing jiu-jitsu it gives me like so many endorphins it's got me so many friends it just like gives me so much that I'm like okay I'm gonna just try and share that with people um but there is an element of like I feel like say I was just like right I'm gonna Quit everything and like move to like Brazil or something and just train every day until I get a black belt. And I'd be like, right, I'm a black belt now. I can come home like I'm legit or whatever. Like, I'm going to start a gym now. I'm a black belt. And I would absolutely make the same coaching mistakes that I would make today or that I made two years ago when I started in like the village hall because it's not just about like your ability to do something, it's like your ability to explain it. So I think actually, like, I'm pleased. I'm coaching now because I feel like my coaching experience is increasing with my jiu-jitsu like ability and performance so that actually like as my imp- performance increases my coaching will be up there too um I definitely think it's a bit of a mis misconception that like oh you hit that level like competitively or performance wise where you can like smash everyone in the room every night to think that that could relate directly to like explaining something to someone new I think
0: I think it's a good point to make just because uh, uh, and this is from a jiu jitsus perspective I suppose it could be any martial art really is the fact that just because you're a, you're a high level belt doesn't necessarily mean that you can teach well but it's like it, it, it's like anything isn't it it's like if you're a if you're like top of your game soldier you've been away on numerous operations and you know you're really good at tactics but just because you're good at that doesn't mean you can teach it You have to have the right mentality and you have to have the the right conceptual ability to be able to see that everybody doesn't learn the same way. I'm a very physical learner. I I have to do something to understand the concept or the skill to learn it. I'm not one of these people that can sit down and read a manual, for instance, and go, yeah, I know what I'm doing now and then go away and do it. If I'm perfectly honest, and you know, I know we keep saying we'll go back and talk about this, but when I used to take recruits through training, there's this pamphlet called Pam Twenty One. It's got all like the rifle lessons. Um, it's got all of the all, all the like basic military infantry tactics in it. I used to browse over it when I did my lesson plans. Never read it. I just did what was in my melon so when i did the rifle lesson for instance i know there was a set way of doing something but all i did was in my head i had a set uh, sequence of the way that i was going to do it to build all the way up to like the weapons handling test at the end and that's how i that's how i've i've always done things i've never read something it's really bad to say i've never read something to be able to deliver it i've had to do it to be able to deliver it and <coughs> Yeah, going back to what what are kind of talking about with um, with ability level and, and teaching, I think the only way that you're going to get better, not you, but as an instructor, the only way an instructor can get by better is by instructing and learning from the mistakes that, that you're putting across. Now, if you've got this ego where you're like, I'm better than everybody else, and you come in there and you go right this is how we're doing this and you don't explain it it's going to take really a really long time for any of those people that you're teaching to to progress whereas if you've got a a friendly and and a um, approach approachable personality where like you say you know you explain something three or four times to somebody and they still don't get it well then that's you as an instructor or a coach to be able to try and figure out a way to put that across to somebody else so that they do understand it and I think that's that's quite an important thing to note really
1: yeah I think yeah it's almost like the opposite to like to the to the range where it's like oh I don't know if you're like in that situation I don't know what I'm doing but hopefully there's enough of us here that like no one will notice that (laughs) I I don't know this or something and yeah I think it's like if you have that environment where people are a bit like unsure to, to ask um even just I like I a big thing that helped me when when I was like um a blue belt was my coach was like just find someone with a similarish body shape to you um and just sort of imitate you know that's a, that's at a high level and just imitate what they do and see what works for them and I I massively tell all my students that now and like give them a hand I'm like you know if they're you know like sort of depending on their body shape and same with the women I'm like straight away like oh look how good this like this woman is like she's a similar sort of size to you like look look what she's doing and just find like a little kind of almost like little role model to watch. And I can, I can show them, I can bridge the gap between what this high level athlete's doing and, and what they're doing. I can talk them through it um, and be that bridge. But I'm always just like, oh, I'll find someone that's, that's doing it well and kind of like emulate them. And, and it is like I was saying about that imposter syndrome, like you do have to have an element, especially in jiu jitsu where you're like, can perform. Like, I think people, you know, especially as they get better, aren't necessarily going to like listen to, everything you're saying if you can't deliver it and you can't perform on the mats or can't perform in competition um there's an element of that but then like one one saying that i always come back to that that one of my friends said he was like um hussein bolt's coach can't run faster than him and i tell myself that a lot like i'm not um you know i'm not 21 i'm not a super athlete i'm not definitely not a genetic freak so like if if in five or ten years I'm like wiping the floor with everyone. Like I've failed everyone massively, like as a coach. Like, so I think as soon as you take that ego aside and you're like, of course I want to progress. Of course I want to do well competitively. Of course I want to get better, but like, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Like I want everyone to get better. Like, um, and as they get better, we're literally gonna gonna bring each other, you know, bring each other with us. So um, I definitely think like, yeah, there's definitely just an element of like, trying to try to train hard trying to implement it but but it also makes me teach my weakness if you know like i'd say i'm better at maybe playing guard than passing um so i try not to shy away from that and be like you know let's work our passing and let's break down like what works or and and like kind of go like that but
0: yeah let's go back and talk about ben ruth origins So where were you born? Where did you grow up? How did you get into surfing and how did you get into jiu-jitsu?
1: So yeah, I think I've got quite a unique sort of entry to jiu-jitsu and and to the Marines actually. But um, so I I was born in London and then we moved to Devon when I was uh, about 15. So I was a bit older, but we'd already had friends that had lived in North Devon in Broughton, uh, for like my whole childhood. So every summer I'd come down and surf and I like kept a little old surfboard in their shed. Um, so I was already like very much just, I was like, Oh, as soon as I'm old enough to move down on my own, I want to move to North Devon and surf. And, um, and then, but my, in the end, like my, my whole family moved down anyway. So my parents, um, moved to Broughton. Um, and then it was just like, from then it was just like every single, I had that like pent up, like, surf froth, so every day I just went surfing. Um which was a dangerous time because it was like the sort of age I was given the freedom of going to college as well. So like there was a lot of college mist and a lot of like surfing at Lynmouth and stuff done through the winter. Um and then through the summers I lifeguarded. Um so that was that was I think like lifeguarding had like a big influence in my life at that that stage. Um so every summer I'd lifeguard like before it was the rnli um it was a different company and then the R L I took over. Um, but that was always like every summer I'd lifeguard and then when I finished college I went away for like two winters in a row and lifeguarded in Sydney Um, and then came back lifeguarded again and then went to uni um, for three years Um, and then came back and lifeguarded so it was always like the lifeguarding was always the constant like every summer I would kind of do that and then just sort of do something different throughout the winter.
0: Was that just to pay the bills so you could like live a little bit, travel a little bit and yeah, surf so I at, and
1: I was at Hotel Mum, so it was just like R and LI money, it was just all like lifeguarding money, it was just uh yeah, just basically saving to to try and go travelling or save up for
0: How know, did you something. end up out in Hawaii? because 'Cause I'm quite interested in the story if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um and that leads to like jiu-jitsu. So uh I'd always done a little bit better in like bigger surf. Um or like just being confident in it I didn't like feel as sort of fearful as like some people I just I just felt comfortable so I always wanted to go to Hawaii to like experience like what what that was like um and actually the girl I was with um at the time that I met at uni she was from Hawaii um her family were from the North Shore so when when I finished uni I went to Hawaii with her um and that's where like jiu-jitsu actually came in because obviously Hawaii is like heavily localized and it's like you can't just go up to someone like "Oh, I like surfing mate do you want to like take me out of pipe and we'll go surfing um and I saw that all the local surfers or a lot of them um did jiu-jitsu so I thought oh that would be like a really cool way um to kind of be part of the community especially as at that stage we were thinking about about living there um so basically I just started going to they had it in uh uh, just just outside of Halieva, Um Kai Garcia, who's like one of uh, like he used to like run the Volcom house. He was teaching classes there, so I just went and started training there. Um, and then we moved to um, Australia because obviously with America, like you, can, you can't work and you can only get a short visa. Um, so I still had like one Australia visa to use, so I went and lived in Australia for a year. Um, but from then, I just had the jiu jitsu bug. So as soon as I got to Australia, I was like, I'll wear where's their jiu-jitsu um I don't even yeah probably would have just googled it and then rode my bike and then just that was it then so I was lifeguarding in Australia on the Gold Coast and then just training like I've got a you probably noticed I've got like quite an obsessive personality so I wasn't like oh I train once or twice a week I was just like on this little bike that I bought and I was just training like probably five days a week five or six days a week like straight away just like like, and I think that's sometimes why I sh- not struggle but like having the gym some people are like oh, i trained this once this week I'm a bit tired and I'm like Kathleen has to calm me down because I'm like oh but when I did it I trained six days a week because I was like I love this how do I get good but obviously that's not like the healthiest approach but um, that was it then basically trained, trained in Australia until the visa ran out um, went back to Hawaii um, with the girl I was seeing and then we broke up um pretty out the blue but we broke up and that was when I was like I remember like being sat in the room and I was like oh, okay like what what am I going to do now because like the trajectory you thought your life was on has changed and I remember sitting there literally like as we as we broke up uh being like I am going to join the Marines. <laughs> and I literally like um like changed my flights like two days later and I remember like I had to go back to Australia to get um some just some of my boards and stuff that I'd left there and I remember like going for like a little run uh at Manly uh like just along the beachfront and being like ah oh, like yeah I've always thought about this like let's let's do it and um it was quite funny actually I was I was I thought of this story um this morning where actually like when we were flying to Hawaii do you remember commander on the front line like that yep. that program we we're flying to Hawaii and I was like when you're flicking through the films and before like the The plane had even taken off like i was just like flicked through and i was like oh come on on the front line like this looks cool and they only had two episodes and they didn't have the whole series and i watched two episodes and i was like oh wow like i finished uni like what am i going to do with my life like and we were going to hawaii but in the back of my head i was thinking like oh like i would love i'd always i'd always been intrigued by the challenge of joining the marines um and when i was lifeguarding like two of my good friends that lifeguarded had both one was an officer and one um I'd just like gone through training uh, and they, they'd they both like passed and I'd always just like, just remember just like asking them everything about it and being like, could I, could I pass? Like it was just like, you know, like 32 weeks training and there's always that like thing in the back of your head. And I think for me, that was why I joined. I was like, could I actually pass training? So as soon as like I left, wasn't in that relationship anymore, I was like, yeah, join the Marine. So I literally like flew home and then, the process took a little while just because it was, um, I think they'd just slowed down recruitment a little bit. It was like 2011. Um, it was during
0: the Afghan period, wasn't it? Yeah. So there, yeah, was, yeah. There, was, there, was, there was an influx of people that wanted to join the Marines just purely for the fact oh. that um, people had been playing Call of Duty and they thought, oh, Afghanistan's on Call of Duty. Let's let's try and go there. And then, but there was an influx of joining, but there was also an influx of leaving as well yeah. straight after that. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that was like, yeah, just literally came back from Hawaii, got got back here, and then like, yeah, kind of went to the careers office, and then it was either, it was funny, because I've got a degree, a degree in art, which like, was pretty useless, so I, uh, it was kind of like, oh, I either have a degree in art, there's this massive fork in the road, and maybe do like a PGC and be an art teacher, or join the Marines, and it was like two complete polar opposites, and I did some volunteering um in Ulfukum School, and I thought like, in the art department, and I was like, this is like enjoyable but i don't want to be like 35 and have been an art teacher sort of for 10 years and then be like oh like not scratch the itch we joining the marines i was like i need that that isn't going anywhere that doesn't have an age limit on it whereas the, obviously the marines like massively does so i was like oh let's just let's just go for it basically
0: how was your whole experience going through training? Um well yeah, you said this is where we met. That,
1: yeah, yeah, saying that with a smirk on your face. It was um it was not like people laughed like anyone that knew me really, like, yeah, kinda of, like laughed when I said I was gonna join the Marines. I, I like I don't know if it was just more like personality or like I'm probably like pretty un unlike stereotypically marine Um, but I did I just sort of knew that I wouldn't quit. So I was I was like I wouldn't say I wasn't phased because I was just like you know it's each week's hard and it's you know it sucks but I was just like with the challenge I was like well I know I'm not going to quit so like let's just let's just try and try to stick with it and see how it goes and um yeah scraped through as as an original but I like the the skin of my teeth but um i think like i actually i look back it's like obviously every day during training you like like hating life but i look back on it like quite fondly and i think like the friends that you make in training you're still like really really close to um i think actually like it was harder when you pass training because i think in training it's designed to like not be enjoyable and be tough and i think you think oh well once this is finished um it's going to be so good and everyone's going to be so friendly like I'm only being treated badly I messed around because I'm a recruit and once I'm a marine it's going to be great and everyone's going to get on and then when you pass out you're like go to a unit and you're like oh this isn't what I had imagined I think you know and I think that's when like yeah maybe perspective changed a little bit
0: but I just done my PTIs course you passed out 2011 yeah. 10 11? Because I, th- I think 12, I, it might have been twelve, ain't it? Yeah, so I I I'd, I'd just done my PGI's course on the back end of Herrick twelve, and uh, I remember get, getting given getting given this truth, and it was uh, Bert, was it Birdie was your
1: PGI? We had a feel like it was Birdie, and then he was away, and then Ben Wadham, and then he was away. They kept getting basically like drafted, so we never had like a. Yeah,
0: I remember getting given your troop, and we got to the. It was sort of the tail end of the bottom field assault course stage. And there was—I remember someone telling me, "Oh, there's this, there's this recruit, and he's—you know—he's a bit of a surfer and stuff." And I remember having a little chat with you. I get very suckered in to individuals uh, and people in the present. If I'm with somebody, I'm invested in those people that I'm around, almost to the point like if I'm around them enough, like in any relationship, you care about them. So with with recruits i was always i always wanted people to do well and i think because we had this subversive relationship where i was i loved i was passionate about it i've been doing it since i was like 14 years old and i knew that you know you were and you, you were from the area that i surfed in anyway i'd never really heard of you before but you know it's probably because i never met you uh so i had sort of like this this underlying relationship and then I remember cuz you used to struggle with the ropes didn't you I probably never told you this but I used to absolutely hate it and I was like there was you and another lad what was the tall oh, lad called yeah, with blonde again, hair yeah yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. I, I actually liked him he was yeah, a bit yeah, yeah. It, it was a bit of a biff but yeah. I I actually like quite liked him too and I think I like underdogs so when you come to do doing like your bottom field pass out to go on to the, the, the uh, commando tests. I was always at the bottom going, get up there, get up there. And both of you used to get within a hand's grasp of the top and it used to drive me nuts. Like, like... <laughs> yeah, it was such a,
1: such a funny, yeah. Like, I guess, yeah, for people that don't know, there's obviously like criteria tests out there. And if you don't, and it, as a recruit, you're just terrified of getting back tripped and having to do it all again. Um, yeah, and it was just those getting to the top of the ropes. I don't, I don't know why it was just this massive, like... It was, mental, defi- it was a definitely metal block yeah yeah just block, like, oh, i just yeah i can't get up there and and that was funny because i did my um the obviously the last thing you do in training is the 30 mileer, um but i'd failed the, the tarzan assault course um so i had like another go but i had to do the 30 miler first so i was doing the 30 miler and everyone's running like all the training team are like oh come on mate like this is hard but there's a green berry at the end of it and i was like oh yeah they're like isn't actually for me <laughs> i've got to finish this and then like do my tarzan tomorrow um so in the back of the your head you're thinking like right i've got to finish this but i could actually have to run this again if i don't pass my tarzan i have to do everything again which is like you don't want to think about as you're running 30 miles across dartmoor but it was funny because i saw like a few quite a few people in my section like went down and like didn't finish and couldn't carry on like quite early on and I was like there was an element of they were like some of the fittest like ones and it was almost like they would not found anything hard yet like that hard they would like got through the other tests and not to say they're not really hard but they were just like I don't know like athletic enough to have to have got through them and push themselves but not felt that challenge and then the 30 mile like loads of them were like oh yeah just like dropping off and I was like literally everything's been hard for me since like the the PRMC, like every day's sucked. So, this is just another day that sucks. So, I like did the 30 miler and then everyone got their green berets and they were like calling me over. I was like, no, no, no I've got to do my Tarzan. And they were like, oh, shit, sorry. So, I like stood off to the side. And then, yeah, like obviously doing the Tarzan, you're thinking, like, obviously I want to finish this, get my green beret and pass out on my troop And then you were also thinking, I don't want to have to do the 30 miler and all the other tests again. So, yeah, luckily, like, I guess I needed that pressure <laughs> and then pass that. But, yeah, it was uh it was funny i feel like i added added a lot of stress to like to the test that
0: I probably didn't need to be there but stress was an instructor as well because yeah. you never want to see people <laughs> yeah, fail i was like oh man come on what did uh, how how did you find passing out a training you said that it was kind of a bit of an anti climax really so how how did you find the transition from that and then the the nine years that preceded that
1: um i think i think there's yeah definitely like really had some really good times I made some amazing friends I think it's like now I actually it takes a little while to appreciate how good good a friendships you've got um you just massively take them for granted like how everyone in the marines is just like such a good like community and I think I have really struggled at some points recently like with with like trying to find that again although obviously you're surrounded by people a lot of time at the gym instructing you is less like um just kind of like friends sort of like messing about and stuff so I definitely like miss miss the boys and the friendships I made um there was one draft that I was in um for four years so it's like longer than obviously the normal two years that you rotate through so that period is probably like my fondest period where like I was with a basically the same group for like four years so we got doing different trips and stuff got like tight and we're we're still in a whatsapp group now we just talk probably every day in some some capacity so i think like they that was my highlights aside with travel and stuff
0: how did your jiu-jitsu journey continue because i know it kind of tethered off a little bit i started training jiu-jitsu in 2000 and i want to say 14 maybe and i'd only been training a little bit uh, probably about six months and I entered into the um into the new Key open and uh and we were both the same so belt. The same division just the, yeah. same div- the same division and I think there was only three or four of us in the division this is not a story to make you feel awkward by way. <laughs> and I remember I thought do you know what fuck it I just enter it so I went into it so my wife and and, uh, and my daughter at the time came down down to new key and we were um, against each other in the, in the in the first thing and we trained with each other probably i don't know how a, a little bit yeah, before yeah trained previously yeah for anyone who doesn't know ben's got really long limbs so he's like um i'm not gonna say gangly, long, gangly yeah long the skinny
1: word. legs i don't even have long limbs i just got long skinny legs yeah. and he's really oh, good at adorable. catching
0: triangles and uh that was his thing at the time it was was triangles and I remember just saying to myself just don't get caught in a triangle and I think it was the the time limit was four minutes and in the first minute and a half I got caught in a triangle <laughs> submitted by him and then that was me for the competition but I think you did you go through to win that yeah, one yeah so, yeah so we yes. went through to win it so my saving grace was I lost to the bloke that won it but yeah yeah
1: yeah I would, uh... Yeah, triangles are still my thing. I think it's really, it's a funny story about my triangles actually. Like I, when I was saying I was training in Australia, I um was training, so they had an affiliate gym that was in Burley and the gym I was training at was in like Tweed Heads. So because I was like, oh, I've got to train six days a week. I, I used to bounce between the two gyms to like fit in with the classes. And they had a Saturday morning class in Burley. And there's a guy, he's a black belt now. He's, um an not know, a jiu-jitsu black belt called Jugs. And he, I think it was a brown belt at the time. And he, I went to the Saturday morning class and the main instructors were away and Juggs was taking the class. And he was like, oh, he just taught a triangle choke basically. He was like, yeah, you know, taught basic kind of like, this how you do a triangle. So I like went to the class, saw this triangle. And I remember like rolling a little bit that day and hitting a couple of triangles. Um, and then like, I went back to the, the Tweed gym. So um, on like the Monday and I just remember like going around the room, like just triangling everyone. <laughs> and it was like the first like kind of like Eureka moment where I'd like had success with like submitting people as opposed to just like getting smashed. And I remember the coach being like, who, like who's been showing <laughs> you show that? I went to an Aussie accent. he's like, who, who has been showing that? And I was like, oh, I went to the Saturday class and like Jug showed me a triangle and he's like, oh God. And like, that was kind of like it. It was like a self-fulfilling prophecy where I was like, cause I'd had this success first success of like submitting people with a move i was like oh let's just get really good at triangles and then as my like jiu-jitsu's developed and progressed i've like just tried to get like more advanced like guards and entries but always looking for like basic triangles from everywhere um just because i had that early success but yeah it's just funny that like that was my thing and it sort of still is although i've tried to like massively develop other aspects of my game it was like triangles are my thing but I realize I got, I've got to have some sort of benefits to having long skinny legs that everyone laughs at so you may as well be able to triangle people if you can't wear shorts
0: I think we should have just renamed you T-City instead yeah. of Brian Ortega <laughs> I think what we've uh what we've not covered really is um your your surfing career um because you were a you were a sponsored surfer you know earlier on um when you were younger and And while you were lifeguarding, Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um,
1: The surfing thing is funny. Like I definitely wouldn't say I was like a sponsored surfer or professional. Like, I basically had, I was in the era just before like the global economy collapsed. So surfers were getting paid loads of money and brands were like desperate to get in on the action. So like, if you could stand up on a surfboard and go along, people were like, Oh, I have a t-shirt or like have some t-shirts and have some wetsuits. So I because I was lifeguarding and I was at the beach and I was surfing and like doing a few competitions, I was like lucky enough to like get get some wetsuits and some clothing and some support from like from brands. Um, but it was very much like just kind of like right place, right time of that era. Um, I'd I i would not consider myself like or oh, i wouldn't fit into the character yeah i wouldn't fit into like oh, I, oh ben's a good surfer or anything i was just like at the right time right place got some got some stuff and because i was like so again obsessed with surfing and surfing all the time like sponsorship if that helped in the sense of like having wetsuits or clothes or connections or like going on possible trips or getting photos it all just kind of like it's kind of like fed off each other but yeah surfing something i absolutely like love um and definitely feel a lot more confident like when the waves are a bit bigger. Um, But those those legs that are good for triangles aren't so good for getting <laughs> getting under your feet and doing turns with. So
0: We did a Morocco trip together a few years back and we surfed a spot called Boilers. Mm. And we were all catching this peak and going down. And then I remember I got out and you caught this one wave and it went on. And I've probably over-elaborated it, over-egged it in my head a little bit, but it looked like you were about a mile and you're just like went all the way down the line and like round the corner from where we were and I was like that how's he getting back (laughs) and then you come like walking
1: yeah the guide was just like where's he gone but that was such a funny trip actually because like I said I was at that big fork in the road when I when I joined the marines and I was kind of like right surfings like I think one because I'd always thought about joining the marines like you know age like 18 and I think the big thing that stopped me really was like you know 30 weeks of training you're probably going to get three days to surf or like summer leave or whatever and I was always like oh, I don't want to go that long without surfing whereas any other job I did would allow me to surf um and I think that's the main reason I didn't join when I was younger so obviously when I got to the period when I was like a bit older I was like right I'm gonna do this I'm gonna join the marines I I think sort of subconsciously did put surfing on like the the shelf a little bit um so it's funny when I, like, I passed training and you're like oh there's a trip to Morocco um like do you want to come and uh I was like Oh, yeah, yeah, I will. And I was literally like, oh, I haven't actually got a surfboard or a wetsuit. Like, I went to my mum's house and I was like, oh, where is everything? And so I like phoned Cotty, obviously, he's like one of my really good friends and he's got like no shortage of boards and wetsuits. I was like, mate, I'm going to Morocco like tomorrow. Can I go? (laughs) Can I go? Can I borrow some boards? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, just like go to my mum's and just take what you want. And like, she's like so used to just having me rock up at the house and just be like, oh, yeah, Andrew said I can go in the garage. She's like, oh, come on, Ben, do you want any Red Bulls? And like, I'm literally just like raiding raiding stuff like if the surf gets big here i'm like oh can i have a board and like um yeah you must you must get pretty fed up with it but uh so i was just like oh yeah this board this board and this bit I just like putting boards in the board bag like living like i was a pro surfer and then like literally went to went to morocco and like all the boards were too small for me i was obviously like heavier than cotty and i was just like struggling and then i was like oh no actually i do really enjoy surfing i think that reignited my passion that i was like so when i came home, I. I bought a board that was like more suitable for me and I've always had like wetsuits and stuff good to go. But I think I needed that. Like, I know you've passed training now, like you can actually surf a lot and surfing can be a a good part of your life. And I think I enjoy it more now that jujitsu is my main passion and my main focus, because then surfing, I think for me is like what it should be. It's just this amazing release of like, you're in the ocean, you're, you know you just literally I, I don't look for a surf now and be like oh i've got to have done three turns on a wave otherwise like life's not worth living i'm like oh it's so nice to be in the ocean it's so nice to chat and see people it's so nice to like just get a few waves um so i i, I love i love surfing probably more now because jiu-jitsu is like has its stresses um obviously has it's yeah like linked into to the business and stuff so surfing now is just like this amazing like just release no pressure and I think I surf better because of that like subconsciously like oh there isn't any pressure if you're having a bad surf like it doesn't matter because you're in the water um so I'm literally now just like yeah normally have have a lot more fun than than I would have had um so yeah getting getting that balance back with surfing really and I think that's the big thing for here that I think with surfing and jiu-jitsu that it'd be I, I would like more people to kind of know about and make the connections like Joel Tudor's a just won the wild longboard title and he's a he's a good black belt um a lot of the guys on the pro tour um trainer jack freestone's a good purple belt um so it's like just building that connection really between how good surfing is with with jiu-jitsu you know it requires similar kind of like mobility and like physical attributes and obviously when there's, there's waves like you surf all day but especially in england there's, there's long periods where the waves aren't great and especially through winter to feel like you're progressing. At another sport is really good. And like I said, the community, like the reason I started in Hawaii has just served me so well. Like I go to France every year, go to Hosega, and just as soon as I get off the plane, I go and train at Hosega Jiu Jitsu. And I'm like, oh, where are the banks? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll put like Le Pen on. And then there's one at um, like just north of Estagnatz or something. And just straight away, I don't even have to spend a week trying to find where the banks are. Like I just just go and surf in like Aracira, the same. Like there's, there's normally a Jiu Jitsu gym somewhere. Um, and you just go and train there instantly you're like straight in like through straight through the back door like um, when we go back to Hawaii eventually like Ezra's gym is at Sunset Beach like it's just it's just this huge like way of being welcomed into a community without trying to like be like oh look I surf too because like surfing's the most selfish thing in the world you don't want more surfers there whereas jiu-jitsu you literally want as long as you know that people are friendly you, you want more people it's like another person to train with it's another person in the community so I think they like, they go so well together. That's like definitely kinda been one of the big pushes for here where I've been like hassling surfers to come and train.
0: So Yama is um, outside Braunton in North Devon. Uh, It's growing. You've got a a good growing community here, but you're also competing as well. You are in the British on Sunday, is that right? Uh, English, yeah. English, yep. So couple of questions where do you want or where do you see yama going and where do you want to go with your competitive career as well
1: yeah they're they're definitely two different things um in terms of yama like yeah we're we're growing and my big thing for yama is to just like like i said like people to be able to achieve their individual goals like community is is everything (laughs) like uh that's what that's what we're trying to create like i don't want you know say so you have one person that does really well in a competition like you, you can't put you can't put invest your sort of happiness into them achieving that like of course i'll do everything i can for someone to achieve that but it doesn't make them any more important than someone else that literally just wants to like feel more comfortable or like you know maybe their life goals to get a blue belt and like how do we get them to that to that level you know so um building yama growth definitely just having like regular consistent members um just yeah just having more and more people wanting to come and train so i think like just a natural a natural growth with ama um people that want to do it and obviously just expanding like i do the the little kids the teens and like I, do, I teach all the classes at the moment um which is is like definitely really good to know that i've had that like kind of quality control almost of like showing everyone everything um but i think as we expand definitely like maybe having some younger people come through that could then instruct like some of our older kids in the kids class are like so good already I think they would be amazing to have help out um so grow that and then in terms of me I've got my own like individual um competition like probably like goals and aspirations um I do think in some ways to compete and do well is a nice way to endorse, like, the really friendly, welcoming gym here, because I think there is, can be a bit of a misconception where it's, like, no sav- like savages, and it's, like, literally swim or drown, and if you can't, like, can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, whereas I want to be, like, oh, like, friendly and welcoming, and have a nice role with, like, whoever, you know, older people, younger people, like, regardless of your ability, and, like, be super welcoming, but then be able to go and compete, and do well, and win, I feel like, endorses um or like proves my point that you don't need to always be like oh you know like we're just a competition gym we're not we're not welcoming so um in terms of in terms of like competition i for me i think it's uh it's important for myself to go and compete um i like i do think it improves me as well like uh it, it highlights it just highlights any technical weaknesses you know if you if the same things happening in a competition and don't you get your guard passed and held inside control then maybe your guard retention needs to be better um or maybe you need to look at side control skate. so it very quickly highlights holes in your holes in your game so i think it if anything does does help you improve and it does make you as soon as you enter a competition i think you're like all oh, right well i know that this is happening on this stage so i think even if it's subconscious you you eat a bit better you hydrate you sleep a bit better you you, you have purposeful practice in your training um so i'm definitely not like going to be like oh competing every weekend um but I've entered the Europeans, uh, in Rome. And again, that's that's as much for for the experience. Obviously, i in my head I would like to like to do well. Um, but also just think yeah, it'd be a really good experience to to go and compete. And I think it is like I don't want to use the word like leadership, but as a gym uh kind of like the main instructor here, I think you have you have a responsibility to do more. I can't say to my students like, I think you should go and compete if I'm not competing um and doing well um and i want them to realize like it's not not super scary i think the marines definitely taught me that where like you find yourself getting nervous like before a competition you get butterflies in your stomach you feel a bit sick and it's like nothing like getting off the train at limston like for training or it's nothing like doing like your parachuting course and you're like oh you know you just feel horrible like so actually like when you compete i'm like get those calming nerves but i realize i've just through really marine chain you've actually been through a bit more than, than a lot of people so in some ways competing is their opportunity to like get nervous manage their nerves and then and then compete and you know regardless of how well they do i think i do think competition is important um and i i'm quite big on explaining like the points to people here which seems a bit strange because sometimes i'm like you know if someone's quite new or there's a couple of people that at the moment have no idea about or no desire to compete and i'm like oh but you get three points for that like the, the kind of example I use is like if you and your friend were gonna go and play tennis in the park, you you wouldn't even if you don't think right we're gonna to go to Wimbledon, it you have a better game of tennis being like, Well, I now get to serve and then if I do this, like, I would win. Um so I think it's just helps everyone have a lot more play. Um I've noticed it a bit more with the women as well. Like they're not sometimes I'm like uh like not wanting to generalise, but say like you do a guard pass or a sweep you get three points and some people times you like, do a sweep and they're like okay they come up and they want to know why whereas if i'm like oh, do this and you'll get two points and then do this and you'll get three it helps them process what they're trying to achieve a little bit better so it gives them a better pathway to like what they're doing so yeah that's that's kind of the the community blended with competition but yeah i think i think it'd be naive to have like competition goals as 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 like my life goals, I think the, the life goals are definitely like to build the community through jiu jitsu and hopefully be a good coach. Really,
0: where can people find uh, Yama Jiu Jitsu?
1: So we've got a good Instagram. Thanks to Kathleen, she takes all the photos, and then I, I generally try and write the copy, but she uh, definitely gives it a good look um, before anything goes out. So she um, she, she yeah keeps an eye on that. So Yama Jiu Jitsu is our instagram handle um yeah we're active on there um or same as our website dot com. um yeah pretty active if, if anyone ever wants to come and drop in and train um i'll just touch on like like you said how where did my training go like once i was in the marines obviously one thing with the marines is like traveling around a little bit um you never in the same place for the same time. So actually sometimes progressing in jiu-jitsu is really hard, like not being under the same coach. So I trained a bit, passed out of training and then my knees were so screwed from commando training, like crawling through the tunnels and stuff. Like I couldn't put my knees down on the ground without getting like really bad pain. So coming back to jiu-jitsu as soon as I passed out, like wasn't an option. It took about a year for me to be able to put my knees down and it not hurt. Um, so then that was like once uh, about a year later i started going when i was based um in in pool i went to jiu-jitsu there so trained there went got my blue belt and purple belt there and then we moved to extra and i got drafted to limpston um and that was that was actually quite a cool draft because i was in the like recruitment team so we went all around the country um and at that stage as we said with my hearing so there's always a chance i was going to leave it, it allowed me to um train at loads of different gyms and just pick like pick little bits from from all the other gyms and be like oh that's so good like how they do that or i really like the layout or i really like what they do there or maybe even what i don't necessarily like about that um so you could just pick all these bits up thinking in the back of your head you're gonna own a um own a gym one day um and then that's what led to training so i was training at Fightworks um, through my purple well with Darren Yeoman in Torquay for about two years. Um, but that's what led me to train with Bryn Jenkins in C F twenty four. We were literally doing an event that week in Cardiff. Um and I'd met Ben, Ben Robson before, um, who's one of their black belts. Um, and I just I think I messaged him and said, oh, I'm in Cardiff for the week, can I come and train? And I, as I walked in, I was just like, Oh, this is so cool it's just like everyone trains really 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 hard but just super welcoming super friendly like really high level like really good like loads of guys loads of girls like just just a really good community um and I remember thinking to myself like as if we if we if I do open a gym and we like affiliate with someone or who would I want to coach me or who would I want to be part of it I was always like oh it would be CF24 and after like a little bit of time of going back so if I got like random days off work because we worked a lot of weekends we'd get like Thursdays off or Fridays off so I'd often drive up and train just like for a day with Bryn um and then as that progressed I remember saying like oh if I ever opened a gym like would would we be able to affiliate with you because I'd love to like have your kind of like mentorship I suppose um and then he was like oh yeah yeah that'd be cool but like Bryn's pretty laid back with those things and then it, yeah sort of as we did it I was like I oh, know like you know I'm gonna do it." Like can we do it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And then he came down in July and it's just, I, I try and get up there at least every two weeks, every other Thursday. And our timetable allows that. I made sure I kept Thursdays three so I can go up and get good training in there. Um, and they're going to come down, you know, they they come down pretty regularly. Um, at least Bryn comes down at least twice a year. So that's like, I think how I bridge the gap between like, I don't want to say stay motivated because I always feel motivated, but like, i have a training a few training sessions here and then i like go up and it's just amazing to just like you know not not be talking you're just literally observing like absorbing everything brin's saying and i've always got loads of questions for him and then just have some really really good training sessions and then like come back kind of energized again back for the Thursday night class here so yeah it must be good
0: being able to go somewhere like that because he's he's, uh competing in polaris over the weekend Mm -hmm. Um, this podcast will be out on Monday, so it, it'll have been and gone then. But it must be good having somebody that's sort of like that high high profile um, for you to be able to almost push yourself and... I'm going to use it like uh, quite loosely, sort of emulate, you know, the way that you want your training to be as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's, you know, Bryn, Bryn is so, so high level and so good. It, it blows my mind, like, how how good he is i I can't like when some people you feel like you might do okay with and I, I yeah i can't comprehend how how good he is but it's not it's not just that it's the fact that he's like yeah he's kind of done what i'm sort of trying to do he's he's built a really good community and a really good gym um so i can be like oh you know mate like it's been quiet this week where is everyone you know because there's no rhyme or reason Some you would have an october where like you know someone's car's broken and someone else is like dog's sick and like someone else is working away and it you just like whoa there's no one at the gym but it just it just happens like that and you've kind of got to keep the faith but I think um, having Bryn there you know to sort of guide you through it is is helpful and just like he was saying like he said to me just keep talking about what you believe in and what you want for Yama, and and people will buy into that like it isn't going to be for everyone but people that do buy into it will like kind of fiercely protect it so that's kind of why I keep hopping on about like community and everyone being everyone looking after each other and and training together um and i do believe you can get really really good just training here i think being a surfer you're like oh i'm not from hawaii i'm not from 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 the gold coast so maybe i can't be like really really good at surfing um but i think here like you've got especially with the internet you've got got four walls the gyms open like you've got willing training partners I think i think you can get really 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 good and i think that's starting to happen more and more with like you know like the norwegians and like there's a lot of good people coming out from from quite like previously unknown places and i think i think like if you've got the right attitude and kind of learning environment i think you can get really really good about having to be from a certain place which is like the opposite
0: of kind of how i think surfing is a little bit awesome so If you want to get involved with Yama Jiu-Jitsu, go to uh, yama.com on the internet, yama jiu-jitsu on Instagram. Ben, it's been amazing talking to you, mate. And thank you very much for uh, inviting me to your gym and and letting me train here with you. And uh, your stories have been awesome, mate. So thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank you. See you soon. And that's it. Go and check out Ben's gym at yama jiu Jitsu on instagram and also if you go to yamajujitsu.com and have a little look at his website thanks for listening